how do you study? How do you take that content down and look for points of confusion and study with your peers and use the source material? I just magically use the word study and hope that they would figure it out. The topic of this episode is accelerating learning to support student agency with AVID with special guest, Dr. Lynn Kep, the Vice President of Communications and Project Management Office at AVID. Tech Talk for Teachers is brought to you by AVID.org. AVID's mission is to close the opportunity gap by preparing all students for college and career readiness and success in a global society. For more information about AVID, visit AVID.org. Tech Talk for Teachers. You want to practice? Tech Talk for Teachers. The podcast where teachers discuss how technology can positively transform teaching and learning. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Pam Beckerman. We are digital learning specialists. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies for remote, face-to-face, and blended learning. Education is our passport to the future. Today's quote is by Anindya Kundu, a doctor of sociology and the author of The Power of Student Agency, Looking Beyond Grit to Close the Opportunity Gap. Anindya says, agency is the extent to which individuals can use total free will to make the choices that affect them. It's a person's capacity to leverage resources to navigate obstacles and create positive change in their life. Well, that is very thought-provoking. And thinking about both Avid's mission that was shared and this quote, in order to close the opportunity gap and prepare students, we need to empower them and support them in gaining the skills necessary to leverage resources to navigate obstacles so that they are able to make a positive change in their life. These skills are learned, and as educators, I believe we need to provide opportunities for them to learn and practice these skills, and especially in a safe environment before they step into those careers. And I was thinking the same thing, Rena. It really is about learned skills and the need for us to provide students those multiple opportunities to practice, like you said, in a safe space. Helping students develop those skills will not only help them be successful learners for us, but also self-directed workers, which is a highly um, desirable attribute. And as you mentioned with the AVID mission, it is about preparing students to be college and career ready. So we can hit both of those by developing their student agency skills. And it's awesome that you're referencing AVID's mission because today (laughs) we have a super special guest, Dr. Lynn Kep, and she is from AVID and she's really doing a lot of great work leading AVID's Accelerating Learning Initiative. So welcome. Thank you. It's so wonderful to be here with you all today. We really do appreciate having you with us, Lynn. (laughs) So we're going to kick off with our first question. What should we be considering as we think about the concept of learning loss? First, I think we need to consider the term learning loss. And we really need to think about what that means and what we're trying to accomplish in this unprecedented year. So the past 12 months have just been unprecedented, as we all know, in terms of education. And students and educators have experienced disruption to many things, including their lives and their schooling. The challenge is we're perceiving that as complete learning loss. And the concern that AVID has with that term is, yes, there might be some learning loss, but there also were some learning gains. And the term learning loss tends to put it as more of a deficit approach instead of a growth mindset. 
So at AVID for 40 years, we've been about accelerating student learning and opportunity, primarily through building student agency and having students learn to own their own education. And we work with educators to help them develop skills so that they can work with students to develop their agency and have them be successful in school and in life. So when we think about the term learning loss, we really want to take a pause and think about how can we help students accelerate and not be remediated? And how in this conversation of learning loss are we really acknowledging all the tremendous work that educators, school leaders, parents, and students have experienced and persisted through this just incredible time in, in school and in the country? So we've done great things. It might not be perfect, but what can we learn from that and how can we go ahead and move forward in ways that we don't lose sight of some of the great things that actually did happen last year and help students to take them from where they are to where they need to go. So, Lynn, you talked about um, accelerating learning. What, do, what does that really mean for somebody who maybe isn't familiar with that term? You know, accelerating learning can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. At AVID Center, We've always tried to position it as students have the opportunity and the skills and the knowledge to go as fast as they can through their academic preparation. So let's just take a classic example. Students might not in math in eighth grade, if you don't have algebra one, you get to high school, you might not have met the requirements to achieve higher level math coursework, which is a gatekeeper for college and some careers. At AVID, we focused on how can we help students both accelerate that to get into those courses by providing tutoring, additional supports, et cetera. So we try to think about how can we help close the gaps in ways that accelerate so that the students are able to achieve their goals, but with the skills and the supports to do that. So we worry at AVID that accelerating learning by adding, adding double math or more summer school, but without equipping the students and the educators with skills to allow those students to be actively engaged in the learning, we can accelerate really fast and that learning train will just pass on by and widen the gap. So we're trying to figure out how do we build structures that are safe passageways across the opportunity gaps that allow it to be safe for students to go there as quickly and as fast as they can. And I appreciate kind of the different levels of thinking, the systemic thinking, and then thinking down to that student level. So thinking about educators and the teachers, what should we be considering about educators in this next season of schooling? We need to think about for educators, First and foremost, the most important thing is that they need to be building relationships with their students. I think that was one of the hardest things about the pandemic for students and educators was the distance. And building those relationships virtually can happen, but it is difficult. And it is difficult to do, particularly when students are in circumstances and educators are in circumstances by which they are being distracted, interrupted. It's, it's very difficult. So... I always think about the importance of building relationships and making sure that the students are connected with the educator and that they're connected with each other and building that community. Number one, that's the most important thing. And then educators hopefully will learn and have skills and strategies to help students accelerate. Do they know how to 
access their rigorous content for, with reading strategies? Are they able to be organized? Are they able to know how to take notes and process those notes in a way that makes sense? When we say study, and when I was a teacher, I'd say study for my biology test tomorrow. <laughs> But I never really did a great job at helping you to understand how do you study? How do you take that content down and look for points of confusion and study with your peers and use the source material? I just magically use the word study and hope that they would figure it out. So I feel that for educators, it's helping both think about building the relationships and making sure that students and educators have the skills and resources they need so that, again, the students can take ownership of their own education. I love several things that you talked about there. First of all, that relationship piece is the base. So important. You know, it's the whole Maslow before Bloom kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You take care of the person before you can get to that academic achievement. And then I really like that you're focusing on skills and strategies to empower the student. And it, it can't, okay, this is going to be a little corny, but it makes me think about a car. You have to put gas in to power the car, to accelerate it. And we have to empower the student to accelerate learning. That's just kind of the way my brain works. It it seems like a a really common sense approach, but something that I don't hear a lot of people say. And that really does empower the kids, which is what we're all about. That's awesome. Going back to one of the things that was mentioned earlier about we can't overlook the positive outcomes of the pandemic. What are some of those positive outcomes that you see, Lynn? What I see is someone who I've been working in the area of online learning and teacher professional learning for many, many, many years. And what I see as one positive outcome is having us understand how technology can allow us to do some things different and some things better. I've heard a lot of people talk about how technology has allowed parents to connect with their educators more frequently, having, you know, virtual conferences, for example, or figuring that it's just allowed some connection to be different. I know that some students have really thrived in this environment. I think we need to do more to understand more about that. What is it? Is it the social emotional context of the classroom with that student? Is it their learning styles? I think we need to do more to look at that because we had one model of education and then there was kind of the fringe those people that want to do online schooling. And I think now the fact that we were all experiencing this to think about how technology can help certain learners. And I know from teacher professional learning, for example, allowing time and space for processing, not having necessarily professional learning happen just for six days or six hours, excuse me, not six days, six hours, and then you walk away. How do you connect with that? How do you have space for time and reflection? Also, the other thing that virtual or online work can do is gives you new opportunities to hear from everyone. So I have seen, I know both at Avid Center and our professional learning and in classrooms is using different digital tools to capture thoughts from all participants in different ways than if we're in a room. So I think there's some things that really can help us to think about how, what are the powerful things that you've experienced that have been different? You know, how have you heard from all participants? How are you meeting different needs? And how do we carry that forward so that we don't just, you know, we know a lot of trauma has happened in the past year. So there's a a tendency to want to wipe away everything due to the trauma. But there have been some bright lights. And how do we focus on that and figure out how do we pull those forward in ways that make sense? I think of a conversation that I had with a, a elementary teacher that I work with. She was saying how she has gotten so much more confident 
creating screencasts, doing playlists, doing blended learning strategies. He said, I'm going to totally take that back to my classroom because that can buy me back so much more individual one-on-one -on -one time with my students in the classroom. That's, that's a huge positive in my mind. That's a great example. Yeah, that's really, really great. And I even like the idea of, you know, as leaders are thinking of people that facilitate, I know I facilitate educators, what are the strategies that I can use to pull out? Like what, what are the things we learn and what do we do with that? Because I, I really like how you pointed out there were some things maybe not working in the system. There's some things going well. How do we pull out what's working well and then apply it? Because we don't want to go back to the same old thing because that wasn't working for all students. <laughs> and it wasn't working for all educators. There are gaps, right? If it was working for all educators, we'd probably have better results for students. So I do mm -hmm. think we need to acknowledge across the system, there's great opportunities. And what were you saying? The, the growth we've made in one year... I mean, because we were kind of forced into that situation was accelerated. <laughs> so <laughs> tremendously. <laughs> yes, indeed. Thank you, Rena. And I think it's caused us an opportunity to do that pause and reflect. We had to be more intentional about things like relationships. It wasn't as easy to do it by distance. And we really then came to even value more how important relationships are to learning, right? And then even the student-centered, Paul, you were mentioning talking to a teacher. I was just talking to a teacher this morning who said that she is so excited about how she redesigned learning that was much more student-centered, much more about empowering the students and giving them voice and choice than she did before, and how excited she is to bring that to a face-to-face -face classroom where she then has mm -hmm. the advantages that that has to offer as well. So, yeah, I was, I was just talking to a director cause we were talking about, well, now that everyone is a little more comfortable and we, there might, we don't quite know what next year is going to be like, but now we have what are called green days where it's a, an opportunity for professional learning, but Hey, now we can actually do some cross building learning, some meeting because we have this option for virtual and we can kind of reach out and be more personalized. So you're not, I mean, often we have, you know, our, some of our specialists don't really feel connected to some of the learning that's happening at elementary schools when we're doing, you know, reading and writing and they feel really disconnected, but there's opportunities for them to both make connections, but maybe connect with others during that time. And that's something that not only in terms, you know, technology allowed students in rural and distance areas to access, for example, there's online AP and different courses. The thing that I think the pandemic has helped educators realize is they themselves can learn online and that educators can actually access. I know at Avid, we have high quality professional learning delivered virtually. And those people who probably couldn't attend in person, maybe due to geography, maybe due to travel, are now able to access professional learning in unprecedented ways. And so that's really helping to, in my opinion, deal with the opportunity and equity gaps that persist in certain areas and geographies because simply there's just lack of geographic access and that just perpetuates the problem. So I think that now hopefully educators and leaders will realize and think about, wow, this is something that should not go away because this is really helping to think about how do we make this available and have this opportunity for learning for everyone. So that's something I'm hopeful for as I look forward. Um, into whatever the new year will bring in terms of schooling, but think that that is really exciting to think about space and time not necessarily being a huge constraint. 
And I love, I know, actually, we engaged in a, what was the NCCE, it, the whole conference was virtual. But what was amazing about that is it's recorded, and I know I miss sessions or I don't have time, and we actually were able to send teachers never before because we actually had budget because we can't physically pay for teachers to go, but we were able to send teachers otherwise. And I've... Like when I need something, I'll go back through that list. And I've actually been doing ongoing learning because it's accessible after the fact, which before was never a possibility. So combining those two together, <laughs> blending them, might. how can we blend those things? All right. Well, I'm going to say it's time for our teaching toolkit. So Lynn, as we teachers prepare and think about accelerated learning, what are a couple of your favorite tools that teachers can lean on? Well, when I think about my favorite tools, um, I'm going to talk about a couple different tools based on a couple different things I've talked about. One is it's very, very important to build relational capacity. And I think as we're going back, we need to not going back, but moving forward, we need to think about how do we continue to build that relational capacity? Um, I think about some you know resources that we're sharing at Avid in that toolkit around the four stages of building relational capacity. But, and I want to think about how do I leverage technology to do that? Because I do think when you're building relational capacity, it's important, even if you're in person in the classroom, to use some technology to help students or to engage students in different ways. I think about, I know on my own team at Avid Center, I have people who are very um, introverted and like to have processing time. That's not me. I'm like, let's go, go, go. And so there are students and learners in your classroom who want to have that processing time, who when I'm building relational capacity, those extroverts and go, 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 action-oriented, quick, we're leaving those students behind. So how can I use tools like Padlet or different things to get students to engage, to build that relational capacity? How am I even something as simple as building a virtual or digital name tent on Google Slides that you can go back to and look at? How do I leverage technology to allow space and time for people to fully participate and fully engage. I think about that. Um, then I also think about um, another big thing that's being talked about in acceleration is tutoring. And I, I really think about the importance of considering how do students become active in the tutoring and or collaborative study group process. And so how can you leverage technology platforms to bring students together, either in person or virtually, to help solve points of confusion because there are, I mean, there are some gaps, right? Students have experienced gaps, but it's individual gaps and how do we figure that out and provide structures and supports to allow them to, as quickly as possible, fill those gaps. So that's what I think about a few of the tools um, that come to mind for me. Some great resources. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I think we're time for our one thing. It's time for that one thing. One thing. One thing. It's time for that one thing. It's that one thing. This is the time in our segment where we focus on what's our big takeaway from our conversation with Lynn. So I think we're going to start with you, Rena. What's your take big takeaway? Well, Lynn, thanks for talking with us. There were so many great things. Um, that relationship piece is key, but I really liked how you pointed out we need to be able to teach what I would call those 21st century skills. You talked about we can't just say go study and expect kids to know how to do that. Um, I was guilty of some of those similar practices before I knew better, but 
really providing that space, but not just the space, but some specific direction and practice, practicing the skill itself before applying it. So kind of a low risk environment to something that's low risk before applying it to a higher risk environment, I think is key. And I'm really reflecting on the whole empowering of the students to accelerate them. I've been doing a lot of reading about this and we, we don't want kids to be focusing every day on their deficit. I mean, it'll kill their self-confidence. And if we kill their self-confidence, they don't want to learn. We need to meet them where they are, of course, and differentiate and then accelerate all of our students from where they are so they can keep moving forward. And I love your focus on giving them those skills to empower them to be able to do that because that will not only empower them and accelerate them now, but that will serve them their entire life ahead of them. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah, my big takeaway is I think there's a lot to celebrate. I, I liked how you brought that forward, Lynn, that certainly we as educators, we learned a lot, right? There are lessons learned that is going to benefit us in our future. Same with our students. There were things that they learned that they might not have learned without the experiences that they had. And so it's our responsibility to um, certainly recognize where they're at and provide the structure and support, as Lynn said, to move them forward. So thank you, Lynn, for such great advice. And we do want to thank our special guest, Dr. Lynn Kep. Thank you so much for being here. Big yay! Yay! Thank you. Thank you. I feel like we took the topic of accelerate acceleration a little bit literally today because the time sure went fast. It zipped right by us. And if you'd like to take a little more time and slow down and look at some of uh, AVID's programming a little more carefully, you can learn about it at AVID's website at avid.org. So check it out. And until next week, let's continue thinking about ways that we can accelerate learning in all of our classrooms. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org, where you can explore tech tips, grab-and-go lessons, templates, and videos that will help bring remote learning to life. We want to hear from you, so let's continue the conversation. Join us for the first and third Tuesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Central for a live chat on Twitter, where we will facilitate conversations related to remote, face-to-face, -face, and blended learning. Look for hashtag Tech Talk for Teachers. We will discuss your responses on future podcasts. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. And remember, go forth and be awesome. Thanks for all you do. You make a difference.